He is undoubtedly the leader on this Bruin basketball team, and he has become the best overall player on this squad. Chris Smith and his evolution will be profiled on this episode of Locked on Bruins. And with that, we appreciate you all checking out this fine program for your time. Very grateful. I am Brian Fenley, your host. I'm also a national anchor for Fox Sports Radio have loved all the comments that have been spewing in via Twitter, via my email. As it relates to Bruin basketball and the sporting world, you can reach out to me on Twitter. That's the best way to do so. My handle is Brian Fenley. Brian with a Y, F-E-N-L-E-Y. Make it one word. Put it into your Twitter search bar. You'll find me, follow me, connect with me, and talk to me. Also, email is another great way to get a hold of me, and that is LockedOnBruins at gmail. Dot com. Be sure to subscribe. Thanks to you. Our numbers have been increasing this month compared to last month. So let's keep this thing going. Keep the momentum in the right direction as we head into the summer months. For this episode of Locked On Bruins, we are going to concentrate our attention on the saga that is Chris Smith. From a guy who had a rocky beginning to his career in Westwood to one who is now flourishing and having a remarkable junior year that he just capped off and on this particular episode we will also look at a decision that he might make on whether or not to test the waters and go pro but let's start with his background and what got him to UCLA so he was part of that number two ranked recruiting class in the nation by ESPN and it included the likes of Jalen Hands and Chris Wilkes and Look, there were a ton of star-studded players in that recruiting group for UCLA, which Coach Alford brought in. Well, Chris Smith does not get a whole lot of attention from that group, but it's funny that he's the one that's doing the most work on the court and the most success compared to those other guys. One of the biggest knocks for Chris Smith as he started to get playing time, and I think his freshman year he only averaged about two to three points per game was his inconsistent play that is one thing that is held over him a whole lot and Mick Cronin was asked about that and he said as far as consistency he said quote he's always had it you wonder why no consistency he wasn't asked this much consistency he looks the part he's long he's athletic he's built like a pro he's got a skill set that's now coming out and it's coming and that's what you want to see, end quote. So that brings up a very interesting perspective because I actually do believe that as far as the inconsistent nature that Chris Smith has shown all through his first three years, but more so his first and second year while he was with UCLA, and he's flourished, as I said, a lot more in his third year with the Bruins, but I don't know how much of the blame goes on him. Obviously, some of it does because... He was really young coming into this program, so you have to think about his own maturation process. But I also think that his inconsistency was due to the coaching from the prior staffs, like Steve Alford and even Marie Bartow, that didn't really know how to use him in the first place. And I think that they kept trying different things with him. That's going to mess with your confidence, Murray at Bartow at one point wanted to use him as a five. Steve Alford, there were hints of using him as a point guard. See, once he finally found a coach who believed in him and 
could cut through and get to the heart of where this guy is going to be utilized correctly, like Mick Cronin, we finally saw this guy's potential coming out. But he was like mishandled luggage the first two years. And even Murray Barto, you could see he knew that there was such a potential in in Chris Smith. And he talked about why he started him as the five. And he said, well, he's a big fan of his. He's a hard matchup. He's versatile. He's athletic. He's got a lot of length. And that's fine. Those are all great compliments. But how are you supposed to mature and groom if you have Steve Alford using you one way, then he gets fired, Murray Bartow uses you as another way, and then finally it's like, okay, Mick Cronin has discovered what I'm all about. Now, I'm curious that what it might have been that allowed Mick Cronin to really get the most and and pry the most out of Chris Smith because it was you could tell Mick Cronin he and he has said this that he one of his biggest goals when he took over the program is trying to find the identity of Chris Smith because it wasn't there for the first two seasons Chris Smith didn't even know who Chris Smith was on the basketball court and unfortunately because of the coaching change and them mishandling his talent and he's also admitted that he is very very hard on himself and that he can pout and he can mope he needed somebody a coach to be patient with him and work with him mentally along with athletically and, and skill-wise on the court. And I think the difference between the other coaches and Mick Cronin is that Cronin decided to put in the time because he knew that if he did, that there would be a big level of, of this paying off for the team, for Chris Smith, and from a maturity standpoint for Smith. Because one of the biggest knocks on him was that he doubted himself so much. Like I said, he was hard on himself. He would pout. He would make a bad play, and he would sulk and shrug his shoulders and just kind of give up. And then there would be sequences and games where he was in the game, but it was like he wasn't even there. He was like a ghost and that he didn't do anything. The, the thing is, I don't think that's all on Chris Smith. I think... The lack of confidence in him wasn't just from him. It was because that was reflected on the stabs prior. And sometimes you are only as good as the coach thinks you are. And that can be a bad thing to stomach because some coaches misuse talent. They can't find talent the right way. Or they feel like you're used one way, but you're better off another way. But Mick Cronin has has dialed up the right keys to figure out what had been the enigma of Chris Smith. It's any any game, what are we going to get from Chris Smith? Are we going to get 15 points a game from him? Or are we going to get an 0-4 shooting performance and four turnovers? See, that's what happened the first two seasons. But once Mick Cronin stepped in and he said, look, first of all, I believe in you. And I believe in you so much more than you actually believe in yourself. You talk about 
that empowering somebody? When somebody comes up to you, let's say your boss comes up to you and you feel like, well, you've hit a dead end at work and there's really no way for you to rise the ranks. And your boss comes up to you and says, you know what? You keep doing what you're doing. I've got bigger things in your future for you. you what? 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 Get, really? Really? That's kind of what Mick Cronin was like. He gave him hope when it wasn't there or... It, he gave him the attention that he needed. He needed more attention. I don't want to say he was needy, but he needed more attention because he was so young. He was 17 years old. He was 17 years old as a freshman playing college basketball. He skipped second grade. He reclassified. And now he's playing. So, yes, there's the immaturity. And there was games where he would not score anything or he would make mistakes all of that and I think that that's symptomatic of being a youngster but when you have coaches that don't know how to use you and that when they insert you it's in the wrong spots because they think it's the right thing but what we've seen now looking back it wasn't and it goes to waste as I've said before the biggest tragedy in sports is not when a team that was destined for greatness face plants or something happens where a dynasty crumbles. It's when somebody has a potential, has a God-given talent, and for one reason or another, they're unable to see it through. And that was my fear for Chris Smith the first two seasons. But I think Chris Smith has a lot of thanking to do for Mick Cronin in realizing what he could get out of Chris Smith that he did not even see within himself. And now he's gone from averaging two or three points per game to six points per game his sophomore year to 13 points per game. And coming up next on the other side, we'll look in particularly at his junior season and why that made for him the biggest leap fundamentally, mentally, physically, athletically, you name it, right after this. What a junior season it was for Chris Smith, and I do want to elaborate on that year in just a moment. But I wanted to bring up some discussion I had with Tracy Murray not too long ago on the Bruin Insider Show when he brought up the point. It was like, why did Steve Alford not see the talent or that Chris Smith had, or why was Chris Smith underutilized those first two seasons and it's not so much maybe what one coach didn't see in him or not I feel that it was just that one coach decided to spend more time getting to know that player every coach says they care about a player but I don't think all of them are willing to go to the extent that which Mick Cronin does to get to know his guys and he's been very open about how much he cares about them and these are, these are things that help develop bonds and relationships and trust and buying in. And I think with Chris Smith, being that he was so young, that he needed a little bit more of a pick-me-up. And I think Mick Cronin was more willing to spell, spend the time to do that and become more of that friend and that mentor to him. Because there were those times where when Chris Smith was on the court, he'd be aloof. He would be scatterbrained. He talked about losing focus, 
many a time and being inconsistent. He has heard these things over and over again, plaguing him his first two seasons. But this year, he has trimmed down on that because he's had somebody willing to work with him. Now, that's that says a lot about Mick Cronin. When Steve was going through the tough times and the program was not going the right way, I feel like any time that any one of us are in a you know, adverse situation, one of the, the first instincts we're going to have is to have self-preservation. I think we see that when we go to the grocery store right now. We can't get toilet paper. I actually went to the store today, and I found something that I could actually eat for the first time in like two weeks. Now, I hadn't gone not eating, but it was like finally something that I usually buy was available. You know, everybody's worried about themselves. I get that to a point, but... When you worry a lot about yourselves, your players can pick up on that. And even if you're in a, in a very stressful time when things aren't working, and we look at you know the way Steve Alford's tenure ended, maybe if he didn't focus more on like me, me, me at the end, and he did on his players, 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 like maybe it's not about self-preserving me, but it's like, hey, let's use some reverse psychology. It's about them. If I get their minds right, then maybe I'll look better myself. Maybe I'll look better myself. And I think that's what McCronin did. That's the difference in connecting with the players and the relationship building because you never really saw those last two years with Steve Alford or the year and a half, any wholehearted buy-in. But I think when you have somebody, it goes to the personality of McCronin. I've said it a gazillion times on this podcast. Positivity his ability to relate, his openness, his realness. People trust people who are honest with them and tell you how it is. If I don't look good in this sweatshirt, I want somebody to tell me that I don't look good. I don't want somebody to say, oh, you look great, and then go behind your back and say, Dad, you see that guy I was wearing over there? That was horrendous. That was atrocious, putrid. I want somebody face-to-face to tell me exactly what I have to do and not sugarcoated. No funny business, straight business. And that's what Mick Cronin has done. And then you look at what Chris Smith has done this year. I mean, he was more of an introvert. He was shy. And now he's talking about pummeling teams after the loss to USC. And unfortunately, we didn't get to see that happen because the Bruins portion of the Pac-12 basketball tournament was canceled because of the fears around coronavirus. But... You talk about a guy who is out here being very uh, forceful with his words and getting a rise out of his teammates. His development, his maturation process has been so steep, more than I've seen from any player on that Bruin team in years. From somebody who came in shy, uncertain, to someone who is now becoming so much more self-confident based upon how he talked, based upon how he played, He's not exactly where he wants to be or where we think he should be. But this junior year was a quantum leap for him. And if he stays around that senior year, we'll see even more of that. That might be a hint until on, on how I feel what he should do as far as the NBA draft coming up. And that discussion is right after this.
Let's transition now to Christmas future, and he's got a decision to make. Will he make his way to the NBA draft, forego that senior season, or will he come back to Westwood for that final year? I know what I would do if I was Chris Smith. I've got some advice for him. If he wants to listen to me, I will be talking about it on this episode and this segment of Locked on Bruins. But what do you think Chris Smith should do if you get into his mind? Should he? return for that final year or is he ready for the NBA weigh in on the conversation and reach out to me on Twitter Brian Fenley Brian with a Y F-E-N-L-E-Y and if your feedback is something you'd like me to discuss on the podcast and I have your permission I will bring that up as well but I have looked at a whole lot of these resources where they begin to project where certain players might get selected in the draft. And there is one place that has this database. It's nbadraft.net. And currently, they have Chris Smith getting selected midway through the second round. Midway through the second round. So here's the thing. If I still have eligibility and I'm being projected as a second rounder, Unless there's not an emergency that my family needs some financial means to help out and I need to get into the workforce faster, I'm coming back for that next year. Because even if you are projected a second rounder, there's no guarantee that you you will even be selected. Just ask Chris Wilkes. Just ask Moses Brown. They left way too early at UCLA. They did not even get drafted. And both of those guys were McDonald's All-Americans. So... Unless there's a pressing family issue and you need access to income, Chris Smith needs to come back because there are, are a whole lot more guarantees as an NBAer and staying in the league if you are a first rounder than even if you were to get selected in the second round or if he didn't get picked and he was trying to make a G League team and then fight his way on an NBA roster from then. The path is a lot easier if he can be patient. Because if he stays for that senior year, there is no doubt in my mind that he will be a first-round selection. When I think about where he needs to make the most improvement and where his downside has been, it's the consistency. We've seen the 30-point game against Colorado this year, but I'm pretty sure he isn't too happy about the last three games he played this season, the last three games the Bruins were in. Back to the USC game. He struggled offensively, 12 points, 6 turnovers. The game before that against Arizona, yes, UCLA won by 5 points, but Chris Smith missed 10 shots from the field. And then that third-to-last game of the season against Arizona State, you remember Jaime Jaquez made that 3-ball to win it to give UCLA the buzzer beater of a win? Well, you had 7 points for Chris Smith in that game. He went 3 of 11 from the field. He had 12 turnovers over his last three games. And if you're looking at that kind of stat line, finishing off a season, that doesn't look too great. Now, he does have greatness. We know that. He's raw. He came into this program when he was 17 years old. And even if he stays for all four years, he's still going to be relatively young for a fourth-year player to go to the NBA and I know there's this stigma like well if you go all four years in college 
that if you wait that long and then go to the NBA, you might not have as much potential or your ceiling is not as high. I don't think you can base that, whatever you want to call it, normalcy on Chris Smith because he came into UCLA at 17. So he could have been a, a junior in high school. So he has so much development still in front of him. And yes, he has made tremendous strides already. But here's where it's, and it's not his fault. This is, these are unforeseen circumstances. But even if, let's say Chris Smith does go pro or he makes that decision. So usually in the coming weeks and days, you will have the teams will hold these workouts and then you will have the opportunity to have access to talking to team executives, having that FaceTime, that one-on-one -on -one interview with those scouts, which could be something to bump you up beyond your game tape. Right now, Chris Smith, by his game tape alone, is not a first-rounder. By his game tape alone. Now, that doesn't mean he's, a, he's not a first-round talent because I think he is going to be. The problem is, is it's like, I think of it as when looking at it from a real-life perspective, imagining yourself trying to get into college, like Chris Smith is trying to get eventually into the NBA. If I'm basing my abilities to get into college just by my SAT scores, I'm not going to have a whole lot of success. I mean, I'm almost embarrassed to bring up my SAT scores because they were so bad. But when you have to supplement that, good grades, community service, maybe you were the president of the, the chess club or something like that, those are going to all supplement and help boost your stock so then you can hopefully get into the school of your choosing. For Chris Smith, if it's just based on game tape, right now that's not enough to be a first-rounder. But if he had access to, yes, these workouts in front of all of these teams and getting FaceTime with executives of some of these NBA squads, maybe they could look at it as, man, this guy is not there yet, but if we groom him a year or two, he's going to be something really, really special. So that face-to-face -face time, if he were to leave, would be something that I think would boost his stock and might get him for an exec to take a chance on him and see him for his potential, not necessarily where he is right now. The problem with that is because of these circumstances we're in right now. First of all, the NBA season is currently suspended because of coronavirus. We don't know how that is going to affect in the next couple weeks, whether teams will be holding workouts for prospective draft picks. We don't know if it's going to have to be something like guys won't even have that chance and you would have to like Skype or get on the phone with scouts because of the fears of contracting the virus. We don't know, but we have to consider those level of precautions and how they are going to affect the NBA draft process. So if a lot of those limitations are put in place and hopefully we have the draft on time, but again, so much could change and I certainly don't want to see that happen, but you have to take all of this into account that 
if those limitations are in place, I think it's going to not help Chris Smith. He is one of those guys that might be on the bubble. Like, he has the potential to be a first-rounder, but his tape hasn't shown that yet. He needs that extra time with the scouts and being able to fraternize with all of them and them getting to understand his personality and his background. And then maybe you see a team take a reach on him in the first round after his junior season. But why not, if you've got a whole lot of not needing to take that kind of risk, go back for your senior year, show that you're more consistent, be present in every game mentally and score double figures and be the guy in the clutch that you know you can be, that you've shown you can be, but maybe not on a game-by-game basis. And carve yourself as a no doubt of a first-rounder after your senior season. That way you get a guaranteed, guaranteed contract, you take a lot of the guesswork out, you won't have to spend time necessarily in the G League, not saying that that would happen for him, but... You definitely make the road easier for you by waiting a year. And then you get that degree as well. So there are a whole lot of wins for him to stay and why I hope he sees that. And look, I brought this conversation up to Tracy Murray, you know, the Bruin basketball legend. He joins us during basketball season on the radio show in Los Angeles, the Bruin Insider Show. And he said as well, he's not ready in Chris Smith right now going to the NBA, he said he's got to be a more consistent score. He's got to get that that points per game up. And he was 13.1 this season. And the year prior, I think he was like six points per game. In his freshman year, he was two or three points per game. So there is a small sample size brewing that he can be one of those first round, maybe even lottery selections or somewhere in that area. But... It's like you've seen it in spurts. Now he needs to kind of connect the dots. And as soon as he does that, he takes away any of the guesswork and comes back his senior year, gets a first-round selection, and will be so much better off. And once he does that, maybe he'll be thanking us here on Locked on Bruins for the advice. This was a lot of fun. Hope you enjoyed it as well. Also, I encourage you to check out another podcast I just released with Fox Sports Radio host Aaron Torres. He's a college basketball insider, knows college basketball as good as anybody on this earth. He and I are colleagues at Fox Sports Radio. And if you check out my list of podcasts, you'll see my one-on-one interview with him as he elaborates everything about UCLA hoops from what he thinks Chris Smith should do as far as his future to what it's like for Dacia Nix to join the program as that five-star point guard for McCronin. I also asked I also asked Aaron about the turnaround McCronin has done and so much more. So be sure to download that podcast as well. And I'm Brian Fenley.